Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kazmeski. Today I'm interviewing Natalie Frank. She is an entrepreneur, a mobilization marketer, community builder, and a neuroscience nerd. So I am really excited to talk to a neuroscience nerd today on the Female Insight Zone. Welcome, Natalie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. So tell me, what is a neuroscience nerd? Well, I think it's someone who falls in love with understanding the human brain and you know, forgoes all other pursuits. I started my collegiate journey as a photographer, actually as an artist. And I went to UPenn in Philadelphia, and it was through a visual studies program that I got introduced to psychology and then neuroscience, specifically visual neuroscience. And I fell in love. I found the human brain to be incredibly fascinating. I definitely call myself a nerd and not an expert because I often feel as though even with every book that I read and every podcast that I listen to and all of the information that I can consume about the brain that I'm still barely scratching the surface. But it does play a large role in how I think about business building and how I think about community building. So what is it about our brain that allows us to grow our businesses? Well, I think it kind of goes back to a couple of things. I think, you know, from a community standpoint, human beings are wired to be social creatures. We have language areas of the brain specific to communication that enable us to connect. You know, I think, especially for women, with the focus on the book recently, I don't know if anyone has read this, but it's fantastic. It's called The Buying Brain. And it talks a little bit about the fact that the female brain has four times more connections between the two hemispheres. And that, as well as an additional increase in neurons and language areas, leads a lot of researchers to believe that, you know, qualities like communication, collaboration, and connection are therefore very connected to the female brain and the female mind. And so, for example, in building business and in building community, you'll see like what we've built with Rising Tide, these groups of phenomenal dominating women entrepreneurs that when they come together and are able to leverage that ability to connect and collaborate rather than just to compete, the business landscape is shifted entirely and the ability for women to succeed in business is at an all-time high. And so that is what I do specifically day in and day out. I lead a community of over 70,000 creative entrepreneurs. 84% of them are women. And our overall focus is on this idea of community over competition and kind of using what I understand about how my brain is wired specifically to help not only myself in business, but the women that are part of our community to share ideas, to innovate, to work together rather than just competing. So what is the Rising Tide Society? Yes. So it is a community. It's a network. We actually refer to ourselves as a modern guild. Can't take credit for that. Our advisor at Airbnb, Doug Atkin, who's the global head of community, really defined us as that. We are a modern guild. We're a group of individuals who share a profession and compete on a financial scale. However, they come together and they collaborate for the common good. And so we are a group, as I mentioned, about 70,000 small business owners, creative entrepreneurs. The predominant group is women of that, which I'm incredibly proud of. We span 40 different industry types and are incredibly diverse. It's 
been a community, sort of a group that understands the struggles of the entrepreneurial journey and is willing to connect and share information. So it involves 400 local chapters around the world that meet every month on a different business topic. This month, we're talking about creative risk-taking, and we've done client experience, social media, email marketing, content strategy, and it just kind of gives the community the tools they need to rise. And that's the idea behind Rising Tide. That is incredible. So talk about some of the outcomes and and results that women have had or people that belong to Rising Tide Society as the result of them being involved in Rising Tide Society. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've seen businesses built just by people making connections within the community. We have seen podcasts arise from different creators coming together and realizing they have a common passion that they want to speak about and they've actually created their own shows. We have seen people rally together around disasters. I mean, the hurricanes that are occurring right now in the United States are a great example where we have, you know, multiple dozens now of local chapters in Florida and in the Carolinas that are banding together to ensure that the creatives on the ground and the entrepreneurs on the ground have the support they need because a lot of them may not have flood insurance and their equipment or their livelihoods are at stake. And so it, it's interesting. We, you know, from a, from a financial standpoint, a business success standpoint, we've seen a lot of elevation, but we also see this community network that transcends business that's evolving from those relationships to support one another in times of need. So it's, it's been really impactful for not just my small corner of the world where we started in Annapolis, Maryland, but now in over 400 cities that spans the United States, Canada, and across the oceans to places like Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and Germany, the UK, and so forth. It's amazing. What was the impetus to start this? I know you're one of the founders of Rising Tide Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it started, if I'm being honest, from a place of loneliness. I graduated from Penn. I was passionate and fired up about everything that I had learned, obviously, but the little known fact uh, that many of the members of my community do know is that I was raised by a single mom and I started photographing weddings in high school and throughout college in order to pay for school and in order to make income on the side. And when I graduated from college, instead of pursuing a nine to five job and going the route of a traditional corporate life, I launched my business full-time and I became a full-time wedding photographer and built that up to a six-figure business and led it for a number of years. But as that business succeeded, I felt incredibly alone. You know, I felt ultimately like the only people who could understand the struggles of running a small business were my competitors. And in a landscape where everyone views the world from a lens of scarcity, there's not a lot of willingness to communicate, not a lot of desire to connect. And I wanted to change that. And so I banded together with my co-founders in Annapolis who were also photographers and we we launched Rising Tide. And it, it you know was born from a desire to change the way that small businesses work and look at one another and and view each other as potential, you know, comrades, as potential community members. And that is what we did. And it was very small when we started. It was just coffee meetups in Annapolis. And then it spread to 12 cities up and down the eastern seaboard two years ago uh, in the, the summer of 2015. And it, it grew and grew. And, and by the late fall, we ended up merging with a Silicon Valley startup out here called Honeybook. And they fuel and fund all the resources that we need in order to maintain this free access to gatherings and free access to educational resources for the community. So it's been quite a journey, uh, but it all started just from a pain point, from feeling lonely and desiring to have connections. 
Yeah, I think this idea of inclusion, you know, large companies talk about inclusion all the time and it affects your diversity initiatives and it affects everything that goes on in a corporation. If you feel like you're included, all sorts of good things happen. I've done a lot of research on this topic in corporations. But what you're talking about is building an organization, a community, if you will, where you feel included, but you don't have to belong to a, to a huge organization. What about the idea that perhaps some people that are in your organization maybe don't feel included? Like, how have you worked with inclusion in this unique kind of community? Oh, this is a phenomenal question, because I think the reality is we live in a world in which many people are not included. There are large parts of the population that are discriminated against, that face prejudice every single day. And in a community that spans even just the demographics of the United States, we have had a lot of ongoing initiatives in order to do our part to change that. So our leadership team, for instance, like I mentioned, spans all industry types and represents a wide, wide group of different members with different sexual orientations and different races, ethnicities, religious beliefs or non-religious beliefs, and bringing those voices together around this idea of succeeding in business and elevating especially the voices of those who are often not heard from in the industry. Uh, it's, it's been something on our hearts. It's been something that we have been pushing forward from everything from monthly guides and education that we put out to large-scale online events that we do and ensuring that, that lineups reflect the beauty and diversity of our community. And it's something that you know I think you have to keep in mind as you're charging forward. If you want to make real change in the world, this is something that we've learned you know, you, you can't sit back and expect uh, inclusion to happen. And you also can't expect it to be a perfect process. I think we've all made mistakes in, in the pursuit of striving to create an inclusive community. But I, I think that we, we, as a world, have a long way to go. And so for those who maybe don't feel included, I think my biggest recommendation would be to speak up and to stand up. You deserve the right to be included and you deserve the right to feel safe and included. And it's only through those conversations, as scary as they are, that real change is made. And a lot of those conversations that as a leader of a community, I have had myself with, you know, rising leaders and rising thought leaders, especially in the creative space that say, you know, this has not always been an inclusive space for me in the creative world. I look at lineups and it's all white women or all white men, and I want to change that. And so we've taken it upon our shoulders to do what we can but at the end of the day, too, we have to elevate the champions and the voices of those individual groups so that they can be the heroines or the heroes of, you know, their their efforts. And it's not about one community taking credit. It's about those individual voices that deserve to be heard. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that it's tough. Like when I first got into business, I joined an organization because I wanted to feel this kind of included because I really did feel like I was out on my own as a speaker, as an entrepreneur. So I joined an organization and I look around and I go, boy, everybody seems to know each other and they've got all these things going on. And at first I waited for someone just to, I don't know if I'm sitting in the back of the room, maybe somebody will notice me and they will not right. notice you. And so it's hard to sort of step forward, especially because you're used to being on your own and doing these things as a creative entrepreneur. You're, you're happier sometimes doing your creative work than trying to mingle right. and do all of this. But it literally changes everything once you step out of that. And I've seen it happen. And it sounds like that is exactly what Rising Tide Society is all about. Absolutely. It's, it's elevating the voices of the community. And I think 
that it can be very, very intimidating to stand up and to say, you know, I have something to say, or I have something of value to contribute, or I just, I want to be included. I want to be a part of this. However, it's magical when people do. And I think the more people that start to do that, the more it gives permission to the rest to feel as though they can as well. And so the really interesting thing about RTS specifically is that it started on a grassroots level. This was never designed to be a corporation. It ended up becoming a part of a larger startup out here in San Francisco. But initially, it was a passion project, you know, basically by the people. It was creatives wanting to change their own industry. And I think the roots of what we lead as a community are what make it very different. Yeah, absolutely. So how can people reach you? I know you've got um, all sorts of different social media profiles, but what's the best place for someone to reach you and find out more? Absolutely. So the best way to find out more is simply to head to our website specifically if you want to get connected to the organization itself or find a local meetup or see how you can get involved. Or if you are someone that actually educates and you have business knowledge to share, we'd love to elevate your voice and share it with our community, something we do quite frequently. So you can head to honeybook.com slash rising tide or risingtidesociety.com. You can also reach out to me directly. I'm, I love connecting with other thought leaders in the industry and other people that desire to see a change in the competitive landscape. And you can do that by Instagram. So it's just at Natalie Frank on Instagram. I'm very responsive on that channel, or you can email me as well, Natalie at NatalieFrank.com. Excellent. So before we go, if you want to share something personal about you that maybe somebody doesn't know, um, a pet, a love, an interest... Oh, this is a fun question. Well, maybe something that you might not know. I I mentioned I'm from Annapolis. What I didn't mention is that I met my husband on the crew team in high school, and he was my first boyfriend, my high school sweetheart. We got married eight years later and are now living in San Francisco with our dog. So, you know, it's it was a, definitely not what I anticipated for my life. I used to joke with my mom that I would never get married. I didn't want to. I just wanted to travel the world. But I ended up finding a life partner that, you know, encourages me to travel the world and to be the best individual that I can be. And I'm very grateful for that. Well, that is incredible. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being on the Female Insight Zone today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.